Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track podcast. How you doing? My name's Stu Whiffin, I'm your host, and it's another week, therefore it's another episode. So this week, uh, this week's a two-parter. We uh, we had a good old chat on this one. Um, today's guest is uh, Mike Webster. Uh, Mike Webster, uh, you may well know from uh, many bands, and we, we, we talk about the bands he's been in uh, in the duration of this, this podcast. Mike's um, also part of the team that owns the Cool Thing record label. Um, but Mike got signed uh, when he was very, very young um, in a band called Ingerica, uh and then went on to have a very successful career um, after that band in the band Baddies, and since then he's been uh, in the band Asylums, uh, who are just about to release their third album, as well as his, his other project, which is called Bait, and we, 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 we talk all about this, and we talk about what it was like getting a record deal when you're very young. We talk about when you're on the cover of every music publication and you become the most hyped thing um, because Baddie's got so much exposure uh, so quickly. And then, and then when that kind of come to a finish, what what Mike chose to do then, and uh, and and it, it's a really good chat. Mike's um, been somebody that I've known for for a long, long time, and uh, I've I've always wanted to. To, to get him in and have a chat and, and, and just to spend some time with him again because I, I don't see him very much anymore. So um, it's always nice when we, we get to have a catch-up and there's there's plenty to talk about and, and we, we, we captured it all uh, on this podcast. Um, before we get on with the episode, um, I'd just like to say thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, thank you ever so much to Mr. 76 for producing this podcast. Um, and thanks to you lot for listening. Um, if you enjoy this, then uh, please go and have a look in the back catalogue because there's a what maybe eighty odd episodes now that are that are out featuring all manner of um, musicians, producers, artists, DJs. Go go and um, have a little look about. Best thing you can do is is, is subscribe and then. Uh, yeah, just pop up on your listening device. Um, and if that's not enough, then there's also a Patreon uh, account that I have as well. Uh, each week I put up a, a standalone episode over there as well. So, you know, for just uh, a few quid uh, a month, you'll get another four episodes uh, some, and some other bits and pieces like offers on um, when I do live shows and things like that. You get free tickets to stuff like that. But go, go and have a look. And uh, the, the, the one-stop shop for all of that is uh, off the beaten track podcast.com um and if you're looking for 
other podcasts, then I'll take this opportunity to talk about Pod Bible. Uh, Pod Bible is uh, the UK's only uh, podcast guide magazine. Uh, it's uh, put together by myself, uh, Scroobius Pip, and Adam Richardson, who does the artwork for for this podcast. And uh, we do it with um, Spotify, Acast, and Audible. And it's something that we're really excited about. We've been doing it for a year now. 2020 is our, our second year. The, the, the magazine's also distributed nationwide inside the, the Sunday Times uh, bundle of supplements. So um, if you haven't got a copy from there, then may I suggest you head over to the website. You can read it all online. Um, www.podbiblemag.com and we have a podcast as well and on that podcast me adam and pip talk to all your favorite podcasters whether it's no such thing as fish carrie ad lloyd jamie lang oh blimey anyone that's that's smashing it in podcasting as uh as guested so go and have a, a look and listen over there they're only like 20 minute episodes so they don't take up too much space on your listening device so um yeah, go and give them a listen. All right, well, look, I can see that I've been talking now for, for close to five minutes. And uh, I know that you lot, you know, don't like all the waffle at the beginning of the podcasts, unless it's Adam Buxton talking to his dog. I know you all like that. We all like that, right? Um, but yeah, so we have to deal with them little bits at the beginning because it gives you opportunities to go and uh, we, we like to sort of nag you to subscribe and, and 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 do the things like support the patreon and things like that which means that we can keep all these podcasts super free and and exciting all right so this is a two-parter so this is the first part and um and please enjoy it off the beaten track with mike webster i've got an announcement save our souls clothing www.sosclothing.co.uk why am i telling you this they're our official sponsor yeah that's right go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale you're going to love it so they've decided they want to be our sponsor which is amazing and what i have to do is i have to tell you about why they're amazing so here's a little bit of blurb so they've only been going a year and they're based in south end on sea just up the road from me they put the company together based on a a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So, if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk 
official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Hello, we are recording. Uh, we are in uh, the Whiffin, which is the uh, the shed type thing at the end of my garden. And uh, sitting opposite me today is Mike Webster. Hello. Hi. Yeah, very good. Thanks. Yeah. So we've had a, we've had well we've had a quite a catch up really already um, because we haven't we haven't really sat down since you done hardcore listing uh, three years ago. Was it three years ago? Mm. You was the. I think you may well have been the very first guest, and that episode never come out. Obviously, if we spoke about it because uh, we didn't know what the hell we was doing with recording equipment. Yeah, it's the the uh, sort of un unlistened tracks or whatever. Yeah. you know the yeah whatever. But we've known each other. How long have we known each other? What do you reckon? Oh, it's got to be fifteen years. I don't want to say twenty years, but it might yeah. be. It's between fifteen and twenty years. Well, we'll kind of get a timeline as as this podcast unfolds, but. Um, I'm sure as we'll talk about your first band was where we met, and then, uh, and then, yeah, the, the, let's let's get on with it, and I'm sure this will all become apparent. So you're Mike Webster, um, formerly of Baddies, but now Baddies are back. Are back for like a, a anniversary gig, so it's it's a one-off show. Um, that Baddies finished in like 2012. We released an album that year and was like, oh you know it wasn't really working out and we we just decided to kind of like call it a day yeah. and then um yeah just went off to do a lot of other things and 10 years since we released the first album do the job yep. we decided to do a gig and i really weren't too sure about doing it at first but i've got a twin brother who's quite quite persuasive yeah <laughs> so uh yeah so we, we we decided to do it and we booked up at the lexington and it's all sold out and that's great yeah. man well, I was quite I was quite nervous about that because I think any musician will tell you that they're you know you don't want your ego to be bruised. You don't want to put something on sale and then for some reason it you know you're neglected in some way or yeah. someone don't want to come in. It could really be hurtful. So everything yeah. you've like worked for over the the legacy you've built not not that I believe it's that much of a legacy, but yeah. that everything you've done and all the hard work and the sweat and everything you've just ruined it by just coming back and yeah and your gig doesn't sell out or something so yeah. i'm really really pleased that it has sold out oh that's good no one wants to throw a party and be the bloke <laughs> scraping the trav olive into a bin bag at the end of the <laughs> night <do you? laughs> no i've actually dj'd a few weddings before and i've actually seen brides on the dance floor crying and it's like you're looking at your mate and you're like Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> quick stick with the bright side on yeah. <laughs> um all right, well, look, we, you, we, we should also mention, I'm sure this will, will, will come out as well, but obviously since Baddies, you've also been uh, in uh, Asylums. Yep. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about what Asylums have been up to as well a, a little bit later on, because obviously there's some exciting stuff happening yeah, there yeah, as yeah. well. So, cool. Um, but to start, I mean, you just having a look through the songs that you've sent over, um, you've been quite greedy and, and put in a, a few answers for each one, so that's cool. <laughs> you, you can have some honourable mentions, mate. Um, track one, Mike. The song with the greatest intro. It is. I think there's a lot, really. I think it's a really difficult question. I thought he was going to put it on then. When you went to switch that off, I thought he was going to put it on. <laughs> That's why I paused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I thought he was going to go, the song of the greatest intro, and then he was going to hear it. And Speakers obviously... were going to come down from the ceiling. <laughs> Full light show. It, for Baxter, it would have done. It definitely would have done. Oh, mate, you should have seen. I bet it was great, yeah. Um, no, so my the song I've picked... Um, and I don't. Maybe it's for comedy reasons, or I'm I'm not too sure. But um, it's Tom Jones. Uh, if I only knew. Why'd you choose that? I mean, what's there not to like? I mean, it starts with he gives it a ow at the beginning, and yeah. then it's like the da 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 da, ba-da, ba-da, and he comes onto it when he plays live yeah. as well. And it's it's not only that; it's then the yeah that note that he just holds forever, and he just sounds like he's just like gonna fall apart and yeah. you can imagine like all, literally all, all of the, the nuts and whatever's like rattling out, <laughs> out of him at the time we've got that literally bone shaking voice yeah and you just think that's a way to start a song right yeah it's so Tom Jones rattling nuts yeah <laughs> <laughs> I always think he looks a little bit like um, Mr. Potato Head with a wig on a little bit or, or um, Sad Sack from the Raggy Dolls oh that's a good shout yeah I think he looks like uh, someone had had connected Gene Wilder to the um, the air at a petrol station and had forgot to <laughs> unplug it. Because <laughs> yeah, his eyes are kind of like they don't sink in at all. They're literally up flush to yeah. his forehead and cheeks. Yeah. So they're they're right out there. Yeah. You know, and I actually think it was a, a good move for him to stop dyeing his hair as well. Yeah, he's. Uh, Oh, damn. Do you know what? There was just this one moment when he he had that kind of comeback around the time of um, if if you if I only knew. What was the one? So it was Sex Bomb. <laughs> yeah. And how did that start? I mean, maybe that should have been the best intro. I don't it? know, but he done the one. Um, did, he one with, did he do one with Kerris? Yeah, but it was the one with Stereophonics on the album. It was called Reload. That was what the album was called. By Metallica and Tom Jones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that mama told me not to come. That oh, was, yeah, that yeah. was quite good, actually. Yeah. I didn't mind that. Um, but uh, I just remember he, he, he was hosting the Brits or, or, or giving out an award at the Brits. And I just always think, like, I just feel a bit sorry for him. And I remember he just he, he had to introduce Wyclef Jean. And he introduced him on stage as, ladies and gentlemen, Westcliff. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was genius. And he used to just say things like, I oh, like all the, uh, the guitar bands, the, uh, the Travises. And, he, and it, like, everything had an is on the end, like the Travises. And it was like, <laughs> oh, come on, granddad. You hung out with Elvis. That's enough. Stop trying to be cool. I mean, he must have had a fantastic life, though. Oh, I my mean, God. Like, absolutely you know, gorgeous. Mm. Not that I you yeah. know, fancy him, but, you know, if, if I was a woman, I think he I, was a I hunk. would. He was a hunk. Yeah. You know, leather trousers. Yeah. Massive Welsh voice. Yeah. In a time when the music industry is massive. He was, prob- he was probably just having such an amazing time. Yeah. What a life he's had. Yeah. So, you know, I think hats off to him. He can have the greatest intro for me. All right. I mean, you did send another one over as well. Well, the other one was... Um, Breed by Nirvana I think because um, one growl at the beginning and two I don't think I've heard a guitar sound like that like since that yeah. it just sounds like a chainsaw yeah like and 
you know, and just when it comes in, it's just so euphoric. Yeah. And um, my wife and I, we got married. That was our entrance music to when we actually went in for the the uh, wedding breakfast and all that, and they did confetti cannons and all that. Yeah. And I was literally just head banging along, like just dragging her along, just because I was just like, yeah. You literally had like my nan standing up going, yeah, what's this? And I was, but she was loving it. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What an incredible record. The whole the whole record is. I, I I think some people say it sounds a little bit dated, but to me, I think it's such a big part of my my sort of years growing up. That, what the album? Yeah, some people have said to me that like the sound of it sounds uh, a little bit dated. I don't I don't know who. Um, Production. Yeah, like, but I think that for me, I I think really it's like a, a perfect. It's really like a pop crossover it's a record, pop really. Record. You know, because I think my I always tend to go for the. The, the more abstract tracks on a on a record and breed was probably is probably the first one that is a little bit more abstract yeah um you know you got this the first three singles aren't they yeah. it's the only and then it's you know because you've got teen spirit in bloom come as you are then breed comes yeah. on so it's the first kind of abstract one that's just yeah. thrown in there and I, I just i just think it's just a powerhouse yeah you know and those all those tracks are so ingrained like genuinely my wife this morning said to me um Mike, what's this? And it was, I don't know what it was she was um, listening to. And it was, it was a drum track. And I said, straight away, I went, well, that's Territorial Pissings. Yeah. And she went, how do you know that? But I just said, but I've grown up listening to it. Yeah. And I'm a musician. And yeah. you, you break those things down and you just know what those things are. Yeah. And you're just like, well, that's what that is. Because yeah. it's, it's only, Dave, I think um, drummers can, there's two drummers that I think, um, Sound. I think it's difficult for a drummer to to put character to the into the way they play drums. And there's two that come to mind for me. One's Dave Grohl. It's just the sheer power that he mm-hmm. plays, and 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 how he he gets that power in those snare rolls and stuff. Which others you, it would it would fall away. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's weird. And the other one's Jimmy Chamberlain from the Smashing Pumpkins. And it's it he's when you watch him play, he's just he's just so relaxed, and it's all this like jazz training and stuff, and he's but. You can just tell it's him, and I think yeah. it might be because he just constantly holds his hi hat. It's going all the time. I, yeah. I don't know, but I, I, don't, know, I don't know. Snare on Seaver. Yeah. Unreal. <laughs> Fucking hell! Great shout, that mate. Yeah, he's. He, he, um, I think, especially in my early years as a as a musician, definitely people like, like Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana and and those those musicians are just like. They were gods. You know? Well, we'll get to your early years of, of, of getting into music, but what, what I want to know is while, while we're talking intros is, you know, from from your first band in Gerica um, yeah, through to, to Baddies and, and, and Asylums and Bait, um, in that time scale, um, the way that people listen to music's changed. Like, massively so you're not yeah. buying CDs and records uh, mm. you're, you're now streaming it and you're you know on, on your Spotify's or whatever you know platform you go to um, and what you'll also find now is that there's a never ending supply and abundance of music to just go and find which is good and bad um, how do you approach writing an intro to a record now and how much importance do you put on that now to maybe what you did then I think that that's a, that's a really good question. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I think, I think the intro. 
I don't think the importance has changed. I don't think it's kind of fallen away at any point. I think, um, if anything, it's probably more important now than ever, mainly because everyone's attention spans are so fucking low. You know, everyone's got ADHD and ADD and God knows what Mm. else, you know. And and I think that's because we're, we're... Everything's so fast-paced these days, yeah. you know, with, with your phones. If you want something, it's got to be now. Yeah. And, you know, when, when I was a kid growing up, we would we'd go, if I wanted to get a, an album, I'd have to wait till it come out, you know. Um, you'd have to wait till Friday till it come out or whatever, and you'd, 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 you'd go and buy – I'd get my um, – paper round money or whatever and, and go and buy it in, yeah. the, in the shops or whatever. But now it's like... But you, you cherish something if you've had that journey. Yeah, like. ex- exactly. You've saved up for it. You've mm. gone. You've gone. Now I think that you can, if you want something, if someone, you know, you could say to me, Mike, have you heard the new, I don't know, VR Sex album or something? And I'd be like, no, I've not heard of them. Uh, well, I'll, I'll get them on Spotify. And I'll quickly do it or look at YouTube and it's done. And I'm probably not going to spend that much time over it either. And I'll yeah. go, yeah, I like them. They're cool. Anyway, next. Yeah. And it's... it. it if you earned 10 quid that week and that 10 quid was spent on an album, you was going to pay that album some attention, weren't you? Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's... I think that... that um, and it's the same as... Uh, with anyone that writes or does anything creative, you know, it, it, uh, th- this podcast included, you spend your time coming up with something that that you care about and that you put your heart heart and soul into, and you've you've, you've you know you've laboured over it. And it's very easy for people to just suddenly, you've ripped your heart out, you've put it in the middle, and you've said, do whatever you want with it. Yeah, it's very easy for people to just chuck it in on the floor, piss on it, and stamp on it. Yep, and that that. I think people need to be careful with that, you know, because people are people are kind of um, sensitive to those things, and it, and you've got to learn to to kind of not be sensitive, you know. But I think in answer to your original question, I don't think it's changed that much. How I'd go about it, I always think you've got to have like one of the big hooks there straight away. Yeah. I think if there's a theme to the song or a hook yeah. or something, I think it's got to be something that just draws you in immediately. Yeah. You know, and that's that's with kind of any any song yeah. that I would write. If I was thinking about it as an album or a concept or something, then it, I think of it as a whole piece of work. Yeah. Like the Bait album is is like kind of a whole a whole piece. Not not every single track is like as instant. Yeah, and nor nor should it be necessarily. But in other bands, like when I was doing Bad, is like every track was almost like three minutes. Yeah. cut all the fat off. Single bang straight in. Was that because you were considering, you know, that the, the options of like, you know, radio and things like that? Hundred percent. You know, yeah. that's it, it. It was, you know, it was like back then, man. Like it, it was, it was, it was different. Yeah. You know, like um, we had MTV Two that, yeah. that was constantly on, and um, radio, Radio One was a big thing at the time, and NME was still going, and all, all this stuff was was still going. So it was really important that you gave yourself the best shot. Yeah. And although we we work, I guess uh, an alternative punk kind of indie band, definitely. But, but it was it still had a pop edge, you know. Completely, it still had a pop edge. They were still, I was, we were still influenced by, you know, lo- lots of different kind of, yeah. you know, great pop bands. I think you, yeah. it's, it's it's just it's ingrained in you what you grow up with, what you do, and that stuff, you know. And I can hear that with the greatest respect. I can hear that in in asylums as well. You know, there's lots of pop sensibilities in 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 the stuff that you do. I, I think so. Yeah, you know? I mean, a hundred percent. I think so. 
to put it just into context, like Luke writes all the songs in Asylums. I'll write all my bass lines. Yeah. And we kind of, as we are both songwriters, you know, we're, we're, we're a great kind of like um, couple, if you like. Yeah. And we, and, and we, we sort of like um, bat off each other and, and, you know, he'll, he'll kind of show ideas, writing ideas for me and I'll help him develop those and he'll help develop my ideas and stuff. And I think the way we've kind of done it is that, that Bait is the project that's a little bit more um, abstract yeah. and a little bit more kind of, I guess, just going down the road of like, fuck everything else. Mm-hmm. Let's just do exactly what I want to do. Yeah. Whereas Asylums, I think, still does have that, that kind of those pop sensibilities there and it is the most commercial one of the most commercial projects we've certainly got on our label yeah. and out of the two it's the more commercial you know yeah. it's the more accessible it's the more um user friendly or whatever you want yeah. to say your label yeah. being cool thing yeah the label's cool thing yeah sorry i should have mentioned that shouldn't i yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely we'll, 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 we'll definitely mention that um as, as we sort of work through this track two mike uh, the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you okay yeah so I put. <laughs> I didn't know what emotion he was. He was talking you about. You can have any, and it's, it's interesting any. that you've 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 sent three over, and yeah. and that's good because most people will generally go for sadness. Uh, yeah, and uh, obviously you've got a cracker in there for that. But I like the fact that you've sent a, a you know myriad of answers over. So I'll, I'll let you work through them. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll go. I'll go for the most abstract one uh, first, which is scared. And that is the theme tune to Fraggle Rock. I'm sorry, I've literally <laughs> got a figure of Wembley from Fraggle Rock just there. <laughs> um, uh, it, the characters in Fraggle Rock it, were great. I used to yeah. absolutely love it. It was, it was one of my, mine and my brother's um, favourite TV shows growing yeah. up as kids. But it's just that intro. It was just... It was just Did a, it start eerily? We like, when they were going down well, the it, hole. It, yeah, it just went like dun 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 That's dun, right. dun 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 yeah. dun 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 and then ba 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 and the more because it starts, I believe I think they might have changed the title sequence, but I think the one that I remember was that it started up in the lighthouse. Yeah, there was a lighthouse there, but it started up in the sky and it went down towards, and it might be it might have been the tension in the music that dun dun. Dun, 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 dun. Goes down, goes past the big pile of leaves that, yeah. that was there, and I found that quite freaky. Marjorie the trash heap. Yeah, is yeah. that what is that what yeah. it was called? Marjorie. So it was a girl. I think so. Yeah, Marjorie, Marjorie the. <laughs> was it the trash heap or Marjorie the something? I'm sure, I can't remember. I'm sure I've met someone that actually looks like that as well <laughs> in my life, and I thought like you look like that pile of leaves from. Uh, Actually, I think it was a drummer from Million Dead. I think I told him that he looked like the drummer. And now that's a guy. He's massive as well. He probably would have killed me. Um, but it's come down. Dun, 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 dun. You go past Sprocket the dog. Yeah. And all that stuff. You go down the lighthouse. And then you, you go past Marjorie the leaves. But then you go into this cave. Yeah. And it was, to me, I was like, oh. Like, me and Jim used to shit ourselves when that came up. But then... As soon as you get to the end of the cave and the yeah. lightning tunnel, it's like joyous. Oh, you went away, yeah. and that, and then it was fun, and then we used to love that. But just that intro was just shit your pants, scary. That's weird, isn't it? It's not like you know most people would say like Doctor Who or something like that, which is one of the best theme tunes. It's I think. an incredible theme tune, and it used to weird me out. Rent a ghost was the one that used to scare me. Rent, rent a ghost. Yeah, What's I mean it? you're a lot younger than me, Mike. How much younger than you am I? Well, I'm forty-six. All right, so I'm nine years younger than you. Yeah. Yeah. You don't okay. remember Rent-A-Coast? No. Mr. Claypole. Mr. Claypole? Yeah. When are you in um, Primus? 
Uh, yes, he was. <laughs> yeah, play, played very complicated bass lines. That's him. Mate, I'll tell you what, you think Les Claypole's a weird-looking dude. Wait till you see Mr. Claypole. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you, Tree, have had a look. Like, I'll show you a picture when we finish. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, that was scared. All right. And then you've got one which um, was, was, was Joy. Joy. Yeah, um, that is uh, it's obviously I grew up with my brother because we're twins and all that stuff. But um, one of the first things that we um, used to dance around to and and couldn't get enough of was um, uh, "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go" by Wham. Right, and um, it was just that section was like um, it was uh, it's the middle section. Was, Take me down to the night, and then he goes to the high note. Yeah, like, ah, go crazy at that point, almost <laughs> like we were like teenage girls or something yeah. like that. But we used to love it and just, you know, um, I know I knew that George Michael was gay until yeah. then, until later on. Was yeah. when you look back at that, and there's me as a kid, like, yeah, like it's, it's really it. strange because I don't know why. I mean, at the time. I remember just thinking, like, I was just really jealous of him because every girl at my school just had posters of George Michael over their wall. And I just don't know if it was just a, a, a generational thing, but not for a split second did it either enter into my head his sexuality. No, it was just like, and nor should was, it really either, No, you know. but it was like he was the guy that all the girls loved. And, you know, all the guys would have killed to have been because he was just like, he's the coolest pop star about at the time. Do you know what I mean? Well, no one wanted to be Andrew, did they? No. They wanted to be George. No. I bet Andrew had a good time. Yeah, I mean, he was just the. He was just like kind of just. I reckon he just had all Georgie's spares. Yeah, definitely. He must, <laughs> <laughs> he must, or maybe not. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> well, did he end up? Who did he marry? Wasn't because there was more members to Wham other than the two of them. There's Pepsi and Shirley. Wasn't he with what? Either Pepsi or he would have been with Shirley if any. No, Shirley married Martin Kemp from. Spandau Ballet. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Um, He's good looking, isn't he? Do you know what, right? He's, years ago, when um, I'd done the Queen of Hoxton stuff, mm. um, his son's band, Roman Kemp, was in like a sort of emo-y sort of sc- a screamo type band. <laughs> and they played. <laughs> yeah. And they were really good. They were like, weren't my sort of thing, but they I were... I just can't re- imagine, like, you know, did they do like a cover of like gold or something like that? <laughs> Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Off the beat and track podcast. And you can listen to all the songs because I put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there... I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. But Martin Kemp and, and Shirley from Pepsi and Shirley turned up and my God, he was handsome. Yeah. And that was before he stopped dyeing his hair. And now when you think, he looks even cooler now. Like... Mm. And he was really nice. And he come outside and I thought, I'm going to get a picture with Martin Kemp because it's going to blow my wife's mind. And uh, But I just couldn't not do it. Growing up in a time of loving Wham! in the early 80s, I went, and he come out with Shirley, I went, is it all right to have a photo? And he went, yeah. <laughs> and I went, cool. And I gave him my phone and put my arm around Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? Took the picture. Did he? It's good as <laughs> um, Okay, and then, so I, I'm interested in how old you was when the next one, when, when I, I guess sadness uh, was something, you know, that, that hit you emotionally. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, I think you've got to have, you've got to have lived to to then to, to for a song to connect with you like emotionally right yeah. so i was talking to my it's like in terms of sadness yeah. i was talking to my wife about this and um i said well look i've been asked this question like what what's yours what what's your one and she, and she said um it was who did every time you go away paul young paul young that's what she said and i was like well why was that? Oh, now I'll be. And she said she was like six or something like that, but her parents had split up. So she'd experienced sadness and she could like uh, relate to it and it yeah. affected her in some way. So as a kid, I didn't really have a sad childhood at all. Um, you and Jim had your sweatbands on dancing around a <laughs> wham in the front exactly. room. Exactly. <laughs> we would, we would joy all the way. And, you know, um, yeah. And, so for me, it was it wasn't until kind of I'd, I'd had a bit of a, a breakup, which actually was with my wife. Yeah. We're now together, so it all ended good in the in the in the end. I was just constantly, and it's so cliche, but I was constantly listening to the Smiths and stuff. I just kind of found that music because obviously it was. How old was you? Probably, I reckon probably. Um, Probably like nineteen twenty or something like that. I reckon. Yeah. So old enough to know better, really, yeah. to, than to be kind of like. But you got signed quite young, didn't you? And like. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, 
Oh, that was probably around the time when we were still searching for that. Yeah. You know, so um, that that was kind of that that affected me then and so then the, the track is uh, the smiths i know it's over and it's, i guess you know you you you're kind of like just imagining like oh what would it be like if i weren't here would there be like loads of people at my yeah. funeral and the last line is uh that that just end bit like mother i can feel the soil falling over and you're just like yeah that'll show them sort of thing and <laughs> but I, it connected with me and 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 the fact that it's kind of i, I do believe that a lot of morris's lyrics were were not always intended to be taken seriously. Mm. I actually think it was almost like a little bit of a kind of tongue-in-cheek joke. I think he's always ahead of the game. Yeah. Not necessarily now, to be honest. I'm, I'm not really too, too much of a fan of the stuff that he's, uh, you know, spewed up recently. But but the, those lyrics and that point, I'd like to kind of keep him there where yeah. he was best. And and I think that, that really did, like, kind of connect to me emotionally. It was literally just like a kind of... A, a breakup thing, feeling sorry for myself, yeah. and the first time of of doing that it wasn't like kind of anything special. It if was you, just it took till that age to have your heart broken for the first time. It, you know that, that it's going to resonate then, isn't it? Well, I didn't have any pubes till I was about seventeen, <laughs> so so I I <laughs> I had no chance of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so <laughs> moving on to uh, to track fever. Where, where was you born, Mike? I was born in Basildon. Okay. Yeah, so um, I think I might have even passed the, the hospital on, on the way up here. Yeah, Basildon Hospital. Yeah. Um, 19th of August, 1982. Um, we, obviously, Jim was born on the same day. And my wife was born on the same day as well, literally the really? same day. We're not like some kind of triplets yeah. and, and then we've sort of found each other and I've yeah. married her and it's going to be all weird but um, yeah weirdly she was born on the same day and she was born in Rochford so yeah I was born Basildon parents came from Brentwood and I don't think it was I don't think Brentwood was what it is now no I think it was just pubs and fights yeah um, well, from what my dad tells me, anyway, yeah. that's just all the, these good stories. Yeah, you know, he's probably getting a kick in or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, they came from Brentwood, and then then we 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 moved down to to Basildon. We was there for a couple of years, and we ended up going to to Benfleet. So yeah. total kind of suburban life. Yeah. I think um, my life might have been a bit different if we'd have stayed in Basildon. I yeah. think um, I watched that that um, film. Um, was it called Newtown Utopia? Have you seen it? Is that the one that was filmed in Basildon? Yeah, it was. It's all about it being a new town, and I've still not seen that. I'll, I'll tell you what, mate. Watch it. It's it's really really good because really? it was part of the, the new town uh, development thing that they were doing, and I think Milton Keynes was one, and I think there was one down in. There's loads of them, I think, and and that was one of them. And the idea was to kind of build a community that that. All of the all of the houses were facing each other, and that all the kids could play in one area, and that, and that it was kind of almost like it was almost like yeah, self-contained a yeah, community yeah, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. kind of communal living, and everyone's yeah. friends of each other and all that. But but it didn't quite work out that way because right. obviously we know some of those estates that were, that were built, they kind of I think when you build build walls high enough, people that can people can hide away and do things that they shouldn't really do. Yeah, and I think it's all about that. And it's really interesting because there's, there's a lot of people that live in that town that have got so much, um, 
you know, uh, they're so creative and, and they're so uh, passionate about what it is they do. There's a lot of artists that have come out of Basildon, you know. Um, one I'm going to mention a bit later, but, but you know, like Joe Hymas, who taught me how to play guitar. Yeah. Um, he should have been shot really for teaching me how to play guitar, but, <laughs> but he's the most incredible guitarist and he's yeah. in it. And there's, there's lots, lots of other people that have come out of that town that, that are in it. And I don't know. I think it's a creative town. It, um, it was it, where my, my whole entrance into anything started. Yeah. You know, DJing bands all started in Basildon. What, what venues were there? Cause the ones I remember when I was growing up, I don't know if it's slightly different in the, in the nine years between yeah. us, but it was the Towngate theater. Yeah. That was Joe. Yeah, Joe. Uh, Joe was doing stuff there, and then I remember the Round Acre as well. That was mine. Did you? Did, yeah, I, play, I played one of those nights. All oh, right, I set that up. Did I, you? I, I, that was my first ever event ever. Like, really? It was the Round Acre. Yeah, I set that up in ninety um, one, I think. Was it ninety one? Yeah. And then the other one I remember was the Castle Main. Yeah. And then obviously now that's become at the edge up yep. at the Basildon Bowl or whatever where Quasar was. Yeah. Um, but it's it's kind of like. I just always felt as though in Basildon, there's so many creative people, but they don't go out enough to watch live music. Yeah. That can be said for a lot of places, though. I think the fact that you're seeing this, you know, this space now where live venues and nightclubs are just shutting everywhere. You know, there's there was something that come out um, that I saw on New Year's, New Year's Eve, and it was like the club's. Uh, that have shut in Essex in the last like ten years, mm. and it was just unbelievable. You know, just you know, we had to do some some interviews and that for for some like local radio station about the fact that the the toothbrush is yeah the only one that's still going and and has and has outlived them all. What why like, do you why do you think that is? What why do you think it is? It because is still we're going? shockingly unfashionable and. Uh, but we've got a style, and that's unique and unlike mm. any other club in the area. As you know, I'm sure we'll probably talk about the club a little bit later. Mm. But you know, I think it's it's often imitated, and but I, I just you know, you know what it's like. It's it's a smelly, weird, kind of sticky hole in the middle of freaking Rayleigh and it's like you know in a place where no one goes to Rayleigh yet you know it's busier now than it's ever been it's crazy and like I think I think kids any any alternative kids I think particularly in this area I don't mean there's there's many places for them to really go right, but know? is there many alternative kids now like you know you'd see them flanked in band t-shirts and things like that you know 10 20 years ago it's hard to tell now. I don't think you Actually, know, that's a good question. They, they wear their colours, so, so, so it's not so tribal now. Excuse me. Apart from metalers, metalers will always be metalers. <laughs> that'll, never, that'll never change. No. That, that fashion never moves on, does <laughs> no. it? Ever. It's the only fashion that stayed the same yeah. since the eighties. I like to think, like <laughs> the, you know, kind of late nineties. Someone went, "Should we, uh, should we wear any baggy jeans for a bit?" All right, for one year, <laughs> yeah. then we're going back to what we know. All right, yeah. <laughs> we'll try a few bandanas. We we'll yeah. shave our head. We'll even we'll even put we'll even put a line down the middle. Yeah, so it looks a little bit like a helmet, like know, the bloke like, from Alien Ant Farm. Exactly. Like that. I saw a picture of him the other day, and I thought, oh, at I some will. point, he must have looked at that and thought that wasn't a good look for me. 
the one person that looked at that and thought that was a good look and <laughs> had that haircut <laughs> and his first ever feature in the NME was crowd surfing at an Alien Ant Farm gig with that haircut was Mr. Scribbius Pip. I, I fucking remember him, haven't it? I do, as soon as you said it, I was like, I knew you were going to say that. He was really close mates with, with my, my best mate, Steve. Steve French, they used to work together like in some job in Basildon, I think, yeah. Basildon High Street. And that's when, I, that's when I first met him. And he, yeah, I do remember him looking a lot like, what's his name? What, from Alien Ant yeah. Farm? God knows. Uh, oh, oh, I can't remember what his name is, but he, yeah. he did look a lot like him and he, he clearly sort of took a lot of influence from him. But yeah. I, I think, for the record, I think what Screeb's done is 10 times cooler. So, you know. I don't know. <laughs> Track three, Mike. The song that reminds you of your time at school. Now, do you know what? That was a really hard one. Actually. This is secondary school, right? You've gone for. I've gone for secondary school. If I was to go for primary school, it probably would have been um, "Informer" by Snow, right? Um, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And who knows what the hell he says in that song? Yeah. It was "Informer." What? I lick your bum bum down. Uh, well, I lick your bum bum down. It can't be that. It can't but be that. But the bit in between, someone always used to say to me, you know, you, he, he thought it was, you know you've got to buy your mum a leg of lamb. Oh, you know you've got to buy your mum a leg of lamb. I lick your bum bum down. <laughs> Which I don't I don't think it is that at all. And that and that, that wasn't my choice. But that probably, if it... If it there was a time where kind of... Um, Oh Carolina and Tease Me yeah. and and Snow Informer yeah. and all that stuff was was massive and that that was like that was my primary school years. Yeah. Um but I think to obviously going into senior school there was just a massive shift because me you know it's Oh, it had to be an Oasis song. It's, it's don't don't look back in anger um, by Oasis and for me that got me just them just being so massive at the time and seeing them on top of the pops and everything. And that was the track that was just, just coming through as, yeah. as I really got into music. Um, so I, 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 I had to pick that. It could, it could have easily been like Nirvana or something like that. But I think that what was going on at, in the UK at the time was just like massive, like you know, it was, and 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 it was. I was at such an age where it was really like um, influential that it, it had to be that for me, you know, and particularly being a, a brother as well. It was yeah, like, oh, you know, Liam and Noel, and then you know, oh, me and Jim are musicians, and yeah. and Jim really got me into playing music. Jim and Dave Gardner, who was in Ingerica. I only got into it because I was mainly really jealous of them two playing yeah. together, and I we had, we had the same bedroom, and they were practicing yeah. in my bedroom, and I weren't allowed in there. Yeah. So I was like, I better learn how to play guitar, <laughs> and um, I went in there, and and how old uh, was you then? I think I was about fourteen, something like that, maybe thirteen. Um, so that's that's when we started playing, and then I started going to lessons with Joe as to play Joe, bass or guitar. Uh, guitar, yeah. So I oh, know actually, no, no, no. That's the I did. Before that, Jim started learning, having drum lessons. And, and so I was like, Mum, I want some lessons as well. Mm. well. What do you want to learn? And I was like, well, it can't be drums because he's doing that. So and I, and I always never wanted to go for the obvious thing. So I was like, well, I'll do bass then. Mm. And I had this bass book. 
I started doing it. And then a friend of mine, who is a lifelong friend, he, he persuaded me to stop learning bass for some reason, then bought a bass himself and took it up. And I was like, <laughs> and, and then ended actually ended up in the band, the first band that I was ever in with yeah. Jim and Dave Gardner and that guy. And yeah. then me just pretending to learn how to play guitar, like, you know, <laughs> borrowing my little brother's acoustic guitar. Yeah. Rick, Ricky, my younger brother, like little classic, classical poxy guitar that yeah. wasn't plugged into anything, just joining in in the corner. <laughs> you know, that's tragic. It was tra- it was tragic. It really was. But um, so so with all that going on, and you know, with, with Britpop and everything that was going on, and TFI Friday, and 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 Top of the Pops on a Friday with the Far Show on after that, and and all that stuff in the evening, it was it was ex- it was exciting times. Great times. Know? Yeah, you know, um, yeah. So, so to me, they they have to be they have to be in there, and I, I think it's probably the most anthemic one that Oasis yeah, did. I think so. Did you watch the Liam Gallagher I documentary? Did, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was really good. Like, um, I'm not that interested in his music. I'm mm. not that interested in Noel's music. Um, I think Oasis have made some great records. Um, and, and I still get a lot of joy out of playing Don't Look Back in Anger in the clubs and mm. hearing kids that weren't born when it come out screaming at the top of their lungs. You know, it's uh, no idea what it's about, but... It's just, it's just a big record, isn't it? And and I think at that point on that second album, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily subscribe to you know every band has that moment where you know it comes easy and and but when you're throwing tracks like Master Plan, Acquiesce, and Talk Tonight as B sides, mm. you're pretty confident. Yeah. Like, because they're better songs than most people write in their life. <laughs> yeah. And it's a fucking B-side, you yeah. know. When I I got that CD single of Some Might Say, and I think it's Acquiescent Talk Tonight at a B-side, mm. and you think, fucking hell. Like, you know, Acquiesce is a fucking huge tune. Um, yeah, I, I just... Do you reckon Noel had them in the in his back pocket when he joined? Like some of them, some of them ones that were the B sides, like the, some of these like real classic ones. Because the band were going before the Bonehead yeah. and Giggsy and who was the drummer? Tony McCarroll. Tony and and Liam. Yeah. And that's pretty much what Liam's doing now, isn't it? He's yeah. Like, he's, like, yeah. He's, he's back to that without Noel. Yeah. But he's got the dude from Baby Shambles in a band, isn't he? Yeah, he was. What else has he done though? He did Baby Shambles, didn't he? Do Dirty Pretty Things. Did he, he had one of them who's in Ride as well, didn't he? Yeah, he was in his band. Yeah, he's coming on a podcast in a couple of weeks. Is he? Which which? What's his name? Andy Bell. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Not, for, not from not to be confused with Andy Erasure. from Erasure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've interviewed him as well, haven't you? Uh, uh, well, uh, I, I've done a club oh, well, night yeah, with well. him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've done a club night with him, uh, and oh, okay. uh, yeah, he's he's fucking great, and I have. Hit him up saying, "Look, come on, because he's he's a very interesting dude." Oh, mate. I mean, uh, talking of tunes, I mean, yeah. "Ship of Fools," mate. One of one of one of the best. Yeah, you know? I'll talk about Erasure all night long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you enjoy school? I do. You know what? No, not really. Not not that much. Um, do you know what I did? I really enjoyed primary school. 
And we had, we had, I went to Montgomery Primary School, which is in Benfleet, and it's only a small school, it's only six classes in our year. Um, and we just had just, just really great mates that were all like, was, was all into, was massively into football and stuff at the time. Yeah. But they were like, we, our football team was great. And we, I remember going on this trip to the Isle of Wight, and I remember, you know, it's the first time you were allowed away, like, you know, on your own and, and all that stuff. And just really fond memories. Um, I've only sort of stayed friends with like one or two of those guys, Dave Gardner being one of yeah. them, and, and, and a guy called James Harris, the guy that, that told me to not play bass. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, uh, so stay friends with it only with those guys afterwards. But then when what happened is we moved. Jim and I moved across to the other side of town and we weren't in the right catchment area to go to the same senior school as those guys. So we went to a different senior school and it was only with one or two of the people that, that we went to primary school with. So, and I felt like I ended up going to school with quite a lot of ignorant cunts, to be honest. Um, you know, Jim and I were really into like, um, got into music, got into playing and stuff. And a lot of those guys took the piss out of it. They're all in their world dance jackets and dreamscape and, yeah. and ministry of sound. And, you know, sort of took the piss. So we kind of, we sort of like ended up, as you do, you form your own little kind of niche group yeah. and, and stuff. And it was only when they started saying, oh, actually, like, yeah, you guys are all right, you know. And then they wanted to start well, coming and watch you play mm. and that. And he was a bit like, yeah, fuck off. And and I never really stayed friends with those guys because yeah. I don't think they were, were, were real friends, you know. Um, so I didn't have a huge amount of friends from, from that I stayed that, that, that at school. Um, I wasn't unpopular, yeah. but I didn't have friends that I would call friends for life there. Um, I met my best friend now there, Steve, Steve French, and, and obviously had my, I always had my brother, so I was always lucky. Yeah. There's people that walk into scenarios in their life and they don't they don't have someone with them. Yeah. Uh, most people. Yeah. But I'm lucky that uh, that we're both still around and that, that every scenario I can always walk in with him. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that, then you form different relationships get yeah. married and all that stuff but yeah. always we could always be together you know what did you um, what did you want to be at school um, I think I remember going to like a, a career, careers advisor or something like yeah. that and they they got a list of things it's yeah. not like you. I can't just say what you want to be yeah. you have to almost pick from a list Yeah. and I was like You'd go for. I think I remember thinking that I'd want to be like a fireman or something like that. Um, but being actually really quite confused by the whole thing and and not really being like really dreading the thought of ever having to go to work. Yeah. Being really frightened of it. Yeah. At that age, and then I think when so when I so when I did get into music, I just went like, well, I can just do that. I just. It's almost, like, I guess, just hiding away and just doing yeah. that. But I think, do believe at the time, I thought, well, I could do that. And I yeah. think, I think, I think the, um, I think there was more opportunity actually, and, and more of a chance of, yeah. of doing that at that age. You know, we're talking about kind of late nineties. Yeah. So record deals were still being kicked out and all that stuff. So mid to late nineties, it was still conceivable that yeah. I might be able to do that. But there, there was never really anything else. I mean, I was massively into football. And I remember writing to, um, you know, 
clubs like the lower the lower one the lower yeah. teams in the Premiership or the what would have been Division One at the time like Wimbledon yeah. or Fulham or, or someone like yeah. that and going like you know I, I it must be so embarrassing like I was thinking about this a little while ago. What do you write when you write to those people? Um, hello, Mister. I, I'm a really good footballer, and um, would you like to come and see me play? And then every time, bless them, they did write back to me. Yeah. It's pretty much just a polite fuck off. Yeah, you know, like you've not played for your county. Yeah. like you can barely get in your school team. Yeah. You know, like what makes us think that we're yeah. interested in you? Thankfully, you know? the music industry is not like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't even get a letter. <laughs> there you go. End of part one. I'll give you no more waffle because what I want you to do right now is go and press play on part two. I'll see you over there. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, and there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month, there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Popbiblemag.com It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.